0: Everybody and welcome to a brand new interview-style show where I'm going to be talking with a new guest every month about all things RPGs. We're going to talk about a topic of their choosing and go through how it relates and can be used in your role-playing games. If you followed DMs After Dark in the past, this used to be a show called Modified Roles, but I've scaled it back for more intimate one-on-one conversations with the guest, and I'm now calling it Perspective Checks. For the very first episode on this feed, welcome. My home slice, one of the first people who ever DM'd a game for me, Troy Bliss. What is up, my dude?
1: What is going on? What a what a legendary intro, Rainey. Thank you very much. Alt Ginger in the house. Do you want me <laughs> to not say
0: your full name? Because I can edit that. No, out. that's
1: fine. They know me. They know me by my name. This is true. And my feet picks and everything else.
0: <laughs> Bliss bot beep boop boop. <laughs> Yeah, we're still waiting the on spot, that. Yeah, we're still waiting on that shirtless calendar for the DMs After Dark fans out there, Troy.
1: It's it's coming. It's it's going to be a minute. The holidays have not been kind.
0: <laughs> yes, tis the that time of year when this drops. It'll be a little bit after, but we are recording this in the height of holiday mayhem. But we found a little bit of time, so that's what it's all about. And we right. want to talk about games. I have been kind of behind the scenes a lot here in the DMs After Dark world. So uh, it's nice to talk to you, dude. <laughs>
1: hmm. Yep, it is. It is. I feel like we locked you in a basement. You haven't seen the sunlight in years. Yeah, I'm
0: just down here listening to audio and just going like, I got to get rid of every click, <laughs> got rid of every breath.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is good to be able to record something again with you. Speaking of, I know we're going to be doing well. I won't be there, but. You'll be part of something here coming up next month, too, so that'll be good.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping to start doing something new on the off weeks. We've been doing a lot of solo series or the two-player series that Kent and Jess are doing right now, things like that, where Mm -hmm. we're exploring smaller group games. I kind of want to get back to the shorter-form series, and I think we're going to try doing that in the audio-only format, and I will be involved in those as much as I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we are here to talk about your perspectives in gaming and RPGs. And you chose a topic that we're going to get into in a moment. But I want to set the stage for how I'm going to be running this series moving forward. I'm going to ask questions of every guest I have on. Three questions to open the show and three later on when we're about to finish. And I think that they cover a lot that will at least get us kind of in the mindset or get to know you a little bit before we talk about your topic
1: get the juices flowing
0: yeah let's get those juices flowing so opening yeah. question very easy one troy how long have you been playing rpgs and how long have you been in this hobby shit well i started playing rpgs when i
1: was in elementary school um i actually remember i wrote i was writing a role-playing game book nice uh when i was in like first second grade second grade that's amazing can we find um, that it did not go well
0: no i want to read What's it that? i want to read it
1: no trust me you don't <laughs> I remember, I remember one of the main characters and it got like ran over by a runaway cart. And that was like one of the big, <laughs> that was like one of the big encounters. You were ahead <laughs> of your time, wow. man. That sounds
0: like Cabbage Guy from Avatar. You were just ahead of your time.
1: There you go. That's true. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, how long I've been playing? Like I said, I've been playing since uh, elementary school. So
0: going on probably 20 years. Damn, um, you old bastard. Yeah i know i know i feel even older honestly i can say that to you i will never say that to a future guest that isn't like a member of the dms just <laughs> some like nice person coming on. i'm like you old fuck <laughs> you decrepit piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> which is funny because i'm like pretty older than you so you know right but we're both right. victims of christian's lich uh siphoning of our health so hell yeah dude he's taking the the
1: He's taking the melanin out of your beard, and he's taking (laughs) the vertebrae out of my spine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I'm going full Santa Claus white. It's bad. All right. Second question. What games have you been playing lately? Have you been playing any RPGs of note that you want to talk about?
1: It's a good question. So the only, unfortunately, um, the only RPGs that I regularly play would be what we do for DMs After Dark, Mm -hmm. which for the past long while has been uh, RuneQuest, six seasons of Sartar. And then I also have a home group that we do virtually for Shadows of esterin Dude, the OG, And I've been though. running that campaign now for going on almost three years. It'll be three years in March.
0: Dude, that's the OG DMs After Dark podcast, though. That was our first stream ever. Yes, it was. So you're playing the first game we ever streamed and the most recent game we ever streamed at the same time That's wild.
1: This is true. Yep. Both, both ends of the spectrum there. It's funny you mention that, too, because I recently went back and listened to it a little bit. And holy god, I was nervous. Yeah. I think we all were. Yeah. You know, it's like in, in the audio editing and, and all that stuff, it wasn't what it is now. Yeah, I've
0: learned a little bit. <laughs> Big thanks to you, obviously. I yeah. should probably maybe I can go back one day and I'll see if I can touch those up a little bit, but I I will say this though,
1: spoiler alert, there is an RPG that I do want to play and that I think we are gonna play. Possibly on the off weeks, um, audio only. Maybe we'll do it on the mainstream for DMs. But For the Dungeon is a really, really fun looking RPG. Um, It's just shenanigans incarnate. Well, uh,
0: you saved me some work because that's actually one of the questions I'm going to ask at the end. So we'll get back to that and stuff like that. Okay, Yeah. yeah, sounds good. But in the meantime, the meat and potatoes of why we're here, the turkey and mashed potatoes, if you will, for the time of year that we're recording. Oh God! What did you want to talk about today? Yeah.
1: So I wanted to discuss more or less why are we this way? So tropes. (laughs) Oh, we're getting deep. Yeah. Tropes, what they are, where they come from, why we, why we play them kind of a deep dive into it. Right. I think tropes, everybody's familiar with them. If you, if you've got a group at a gaming table and you've got your go to bard, you've got your guy that's always just kicking doors in and crushing skulls and. You know, so I I wanted to look into, you know, why is that a thing?
0: Yeah. Tropes, there's a lot of value in tropes. They get a, they kind of get a bad rap. I feel like, you know, you hear a lot of stuff sometimes of people being like, oh, it's fine. But it's like a little tropey. And like, yeah, that can absolutely happen. Right. Like if they're just really bashing you over the head with like nothing about this is new, then that can feel kind of lame, you know? But I think tropes, there's, there's a ton of value to use tropes in your games and subverting things even, you know, even those have become tropes of their own. But, um, yeah, Yeah, let's talk about it. You were, you were talking about, you know, you have your, let's, let's go ahead and say like barbarian, right? Like kick in the door, just kind of your, you know, you know what they're going to do. They're here to swing their big ax. Right, right. And then you have your sneaky rogues and things like that, like tropes. Can feel like, you know, you can play a trope as far as, like, your character's personality, but tropes themselves are kind of the whole crux of class design. Right,
1: right. right. They feed into it, for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, Powered by the Apocalypse playbooks are kind of just tropes, right, Mm -hmm. within a genre. Because that entire framework of those games, Powered by the Apocalypse games... If you look at masks, for example, you have the transformed, you have the Janice, you have the legacy, right? Like these are just like comic book tropes. They're just the characters you see over and over and they just have different names based on who's putting out the comic, right? Well, Um, and and the
1: cool thing, too, about about that, Rainey, is that you you as the player, you still get to play them. So they are even no matter how tropey they are, they're unique to you nobody else in the whole world has ever played this character no matter how mm-hmm. how heavy you lean into a trope right so i heard on a ted talk once it was talking about i think it was about successful implementation in marketing and like new items and stuff nice and the person said that kind of the the sweet spot the things that are most successful that just absolutely dominate in their in their prospective markets find a perfect balance between something that is novel and something that is familiar right something that's mm-hmm. totally something that's totally new but also something that resonates with a piece of you already and the example he used was pandora right think about when pandora oh, first came into being it you took mean, um, all the songs you like oh yeah no <laughs> I no i, meant, I Ava, meant like the james cameron avatar yeah. okay yeah <laughs> nope not that one i meant um, <laughs> radio on
0: the internet yeah <laughs> i meant the
1: music right so music yeah. is genres too right just like rpgs but You take the tropes, right? Somebody likes this type of music, this stereotypical, Mm -hmm. you know, grunge person or punk person or whatever, and then you feed it into this algorithm and it not only gives you the stuff that you like, um, that you've heard, but then it introduces you to new stuff that you have never heard, right? So, tropes do have a tremendous value. They're the basis, I think, that we make decisions off of.
0: Yeah, and you brought up something that I love where you said, you could play something that's very familiar, but you're the only person playing this character, right? Like you might be, for example, we're going to get into like our types, me, Rainy, and you, right. Troy, like the characters we kind of default to a lot. But even then, again, going back to something like Power by the Apocalypse playbooks or, you know, uh, Forged in the Dark playbook designs, they kind of tell you the story that this character wants to tell, right? Like by picking a certain playbook, by picking a certain trope, Like, my wife always plays sneaky rogues. Right. Like, the kind of character she wants to play, she does not want to get close to people. Like, I know she's not going to be stealing shit. (laughs) Right. But at the same time, I mean, like, it kind of goalposts what kind of stories you want to tell, what kind of things you want to do in the game. And like you said, you can be very tropey, but like, if you going back to old modified roles episodes, like how to be a good character. One of the first things we said was like, build a character who cares about the story and engages with the world you're playing in. Right. So right. that's what makes these tropes interesting, right? Like you're not going to be able to play the character that you like from a TV show because you're not playing in that TV show's world. Right. You're not playing in a vacuum. Yeah. You're playing in your game group's shared story. Right. So you can play. We'll, we'll get into like the next thing here. We're like, I always play a nerd. You kind of tend to play wild cards, right? But I think hmm. we kind of play those for similar reasons. I love to play a nerdy type because I want to, in the time that I'm in this character's skin and playing through their you know, point of view, I want to feel out and like find out what makes the world that we're playing in work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want my character to be able to ask questions and my character have a reason to find or know the answers. And I think you, and maybe I'm projecting, you tell me if I'm wrong, I think you play wild cards because you want to test how much the world, you know, is bendy. You know what I mean? Like, you want to be like, how much can we make this work? I think, you know, I think you're, you're
1: close with that, Rainey. I think, and this is something that I thought of recently. I had a discussion with Christian about it, actually. But I think the reason why I kind of tend to play the wild cards is it's not so much to see how bendy the world is, but it's to see how the world accommodates both the mundane Mm. and the strange, right? Like for me personally, especially, you know, we play a lot of new RPGs all the time and some of them are pretty rules light and others are very, very rules heavy. And I'll be honest. I mean, don't tell anybody internet, but sometimes when it's a really, really rules heavy game, I really lean into that, the power of the mundane, right? Because it doesn't matter what the fuck the rules are in the system that you're playing. You can always do the you can perform like the standard operations of a human being, right? Or your character. Mm. So emphasis on the little stuff, right? Like Istanbul. I, I think about Time Reese, right? Or Istanbul, right? Like, yeah, you, uh, Eastan, Istanbul's whole you know character concept was well, he was deaf, he couldn't hear, right? So yeah, it was about how he perceived the world in a different way because of that. And then it was also about isolation, loss, right? Those sure. are. Those are big overarching things, their feelings, their emotions, their sensory things that exist in every single world, no matter what the rule system looks like. So I can focus on that and really create a good character and a good story and not get too delved in and bogged down by the rules and stuff, you know?
0: You Yeah, I was going to say with Istanbul and kind of Kaim Reese too, mm-hmm. you make this character who conceptually, you know, like on the surface... Players in that world will look at them and be like, what is this jelly-legged minotaur-looking guy? Or like, what is this weird little kid, you know, this clearly weird shaman? But then you made their problems in the world. You made their plot points, like what they cared about, simple. Right. In a not-simple world. Right. And it was like, how does the complexity of the world – you let – The complexity of the game handle that heavy lifting of the crunchiness of the system, for example, Mm -hmm. while finding a more powerful story in how in the simple things. Yeah. Yeah. In the simple things. Yeah. I I wanted to
1: there's so much I want to talk about on that stuff, but I wanted to get back to something you said really quick, which was you said the reason why you tend to play nerdy, you know, kind of nerdy archetypes, nerdy tropes. Is because you want to explore what goes on in the game, what the game system looks like, how the world is built together. Right, correct? Does that sound my summarizing yeah. pretty well? Yeah,
0: yeah, I appreciate good world building and I love feeling out how consistent it works or finding the ways that the fantastical is, like you said, kind of applied in the simple ways, right? Like, right. how does this change an otherwise normal day? right so, like i don't think enough people in a game like dungeons and dragons right. think about the fact that cantrips would absolutely break every economy they would break right. every you know what i mean like, so it, true. like access to just infinite silly little magics no matter right. how silly and little they are right right is like shattering so <laughs> you know so like i like to play those games and be like okay like what's everyday life like, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah. also like, what are the big questions of this different place? So I want to go one step further
1: with that then and, and we're going to metagame for a sec and I'm interested in looking that's... at the why Rainy is a human being tends towards that because that's a real thing. I think at the heart of it I think there's a reason, like a psychological reason why we play tropes, right? Some people mm-hmm. I mean, shit, alright, we're going to just go into this real quick here. I know, I know Other Blissbot has said that for her, you know, RPGs are very cathartic. They're like a cathartic release of emotion. And this is emotion for her as a human being in real life, right? So that's Mm -hmm. no small thing. That's that's a really big thing. That's powerful, right? So that's kind of the power of RPGs. So if you are dealing with something where you're trying to process something, and then you're going to try to do that in an RPG... There are, of course, going to be correlations to like the things that you're feeling, the things that you want to address and the underlying emotions that you as a person have and then how you act in your character in the RPG. Right. I mean, Amber plays these angry fucking rage, you know, kill all of the patriarchy characters and then also plays like weird wolf boys. Now, I'm not a
0: psychologist or anything, but she is my sister
1: is there a correlation there? I don't know.
0: <laughs> we, uh, for those of you who are not familiar, we have DMs After Dark business cards. And on the back of Amber's business card, we put the Amber character scale, which on one side is terrified man and on the other side is terrifying woman. But the whole thing just says wolf. Yeah,
1: right. This <laughs> so, is true.
0: Like she has, she has a type, right? She definitely plays into one of those two things on the spectrum of, and you know, what's funny, you know, that old, I don't know the origin of this phrase, but like there are two wolves inside you. Right. You know what I mean? The one that lives is the one that you feed. Yeah, exactly. Amber just has one wolf, but it gets fed fed. by two. (laughs) It gets fed fed by either a terrified man or a terrifying woman.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's true. So, yeah. So Rainy, why do you think you tend towards that as a person? That's a great question, and I'm asking you this deep philosophical question on a on a podcast where we're improving. So
0: good luck. Yeah, no, uh, I actually I don't shy away from talking all the time. Like when I've been doing my solo series and stuff like that. Obviously, like you said, our own personal worldview plays a lot into how we play games, right? Mm-hmm. I read a ton of fantasy and sci fi. I try and switch it up and read other things, but my day job is I'm an environmental scientist. I'm a wetland biologist. I am somebody who studies the actual, you know, ecosystems of our planet, at least my local region. I love knowing how all these systems work together Mm. and why certain habitat is used by certain animals. And what if I needed to, like, where can I get fresh water? And like, what can I eat out there? And like, you know what I mean? Like little things like that. Like, Everything out there in our world has evolved for billions of years to basically make it so everything can sustain itself. I won't get into how depressing it is that we've pretty much destroyed that, but I think that I play these nerdy characters in these other worlds because I want to know what turns and, like, you know, what systems make the world go around. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's totally fair. That's a good. It's a good uh, introspection there, Rainy, I think. Yeah. Makes sense.
0: It was funny, in my Miru playthrough on the DMs After Dark feed, I you have to roll like every day for what uh, terrain you end up in, and I was in the swamp so much, and I just kept going, well, fuck, back to work. <laughs> <laughs> I can't escape, perfect. <laughs> I just, you know, even in this game, here I am in the <laughs> swamp, song. Oh, I love it. Mm. Speaking of that, do you yeah, think- Yeah, your turn. Oh, go ahead.
1: (laughs) Well, no, I, well, yeah, I will definitely get into the the why behind me here in a sec. But, you know, do you think, shit, you're a wetlands biologist, right? Mm -hmm. Do you want to do what you do in real life in an RPG? Or do you want to do the farthest away possible thing from that?
0: Another just kind of time capsule for if someone listens to this in five years or whatever. uh, I've been playing a lot of Baldur's Gate (laughs) 3. Yeah. And I made a druid. You know, like, I always play a druid, you know, when I played with you for the first time, right. I Mog. played a druid, because I was like, yeah, and I named my Baldur's Gate 3 character Mog. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I love playing the nature-focused kind of builds. I definitely think that I like leaning into that, because again, you know, I just have an interest in, like, oh, like, how much work did this designer really put into this. thinking about how their world works? Right, right. I've little peek behind the curtain i've definitely tried coming up with like writing my own games that take into consideration natural environment right. and how to interact with it in a way that's more than just you know you roll on a table and it says like murky bog right you know. right um i get like viscerally angry when like uh RPG book will be like, you find yourself in the swamps and it's all like reeds and like it's boggy. And I was like, you just mentioned like three different wetland types. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) swamps are not marshes, are not bogs. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's just (laughs) so like, but again, I, you know, I don't expect people to know that and care about it enough when they do that for their game. But I've thought about, you know, can I make a game that makes this interesting? And I think the game that Christian and I are pretty close to releasing is Going to hopefully make people think about their natural surroundings a little more. Hopefully, yeah, I'm excited to see that when it when it finally comes out in you know beta or whatever. I'm super close. Uh, the quick start is pretty much done. I just need to make it look nicer. I don't want to just put out like a boring right. text PDF. Do you think you'll kickstart it? I don't know. Um, it depends. I think the plan is put out a quick start get the word out about it, see if people check it out, test it out, let us know what works, what doesn't, you know, in addition to our own testing. But yeah, I mean, like if it, if it seems like people are enjoying it, I'd love to get it. I'd love to get it, you know, printed. Yeah. Like do a physical run of it. Um, but again, it all depends on how people seem to enjoy it. We'll see. Right. So Troy, why do you think you play on the surface wildcard characters? In their hearts, simple characters. Is that a, you know, is that your trope?
1: I would say yes. um I w- at least that's pretty darn close. Hmm. I would first start by saying that the trope of character I've played has changed throughout my career as an RPG player. Well, because you've
0: changed as a person,
1: right? Well, exactly. And part of that's because I started playing when I was you know eight. So uh, I wanted to be the hero, the defender, the protector, right? All of those things appealed to me Um, because, you know, shit, dude, if you ask a classroom full of like eight year olds, (laughs) hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? They're all going to say fucking astronauts, doctors and like policemen, right? We should push those kids. And then if you ask everybody that same question 10 years later. Literally, almost none of them say policeman. So <laughs> so there's there's, you know possible reasons for that. But yeah
0: ask ask a bunch of know. high school seniors, what do you want to be? Like twenty percent will have an idea that they might actually pursue, And the rest of them are like, Shit, man, I don't know,
1: right. So I think for me, you know, now the trope is is that kind of wild card with an emphasis on on the core parts that connect all of us because it doesn't matter if you're, you know, a rogue or a shaman or a barbarian or whatever, you you have all of those same feelings, right, Mm -hmm. and emotions. You experience all of those things on the same spectrum, at least. Maybe some more than others, but... So, when you really focus on investing effort into that, it not only helps you build a better, more fleshed-out character, but it makes it so much easier to connect them to the other characters in the game. Yes, yes. You know? And, And part of that is my, you know, my own trend into you know mental health counseling and and these things that i'm pursuing in in real life Mm -hmm. um they do bleed into rpgs a bit you know and for me i have come to find in my life that it's really the small things that are like beautiful and powerful and miraculous like having a conversation with a stranger you know Watching hummingbirds chase each other around my fucking flower garden. Like, this is the stuff that brings my life meaning. Yeah. Which sounds crazy, right? The laughter of my child. Like, dude. So, so why would that shit not be important in an RPG?
0: Yeah. And I think that more RPGs need to take time to explore, like, if possible. And this is just DM advice for anybody listening to this. At least I like doing this. Every once in a while, just like, everyone likes to say zoom out. Right. And like, you know, uh, hand wave certain things and like just get to the next part. Also, every once in a while, just have like a vignette. Right. The opposite. Yeah. Have like a moment that does not matter to the story and just be like, what beautiful thing does your character see or like just take the time to enjoy in this otherwise probably pretty brutal story we're telling. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because
1: at the end of the day, if you're playing an RPG with probably very limited exceptions, there is a grand goal. Mm -hmm. or you know epic event in mind there's going to be a confrontation right you know right right so so i would say i think that's that's probably why i tend towards that i think for the most part is my character tropes but not everybody's like that too right some people play to escape that kind of thing some people Mm -hmm. are like i don't want to be bogged down with all the minute details and stuff like that i want to do the epic shit i want to do the action i want to be that fucking barbarian that's smashing doors in and cracking skulls you know what i mean like And that's
0: okay, too. My brother, actually, both brothers-in-law of mine, uh, for different reasons, one of them (laughs) works with younger people all day, every day. And when we get to play games, he's like, I just want to hit things. (laughs) Yeah, dude. That makes total sense. I get it. You know what I mean? He's like, I don't want to have have any more heart-to-hearts. I'm done. And the other one is dealing with, uh, like... And this actually goes back to your, you know, you like just taking those moments to like watch a couple hummingbirds, man. Like, and hey, this is a couple older guys at this point coming along. Anybody listening to this going, oh, fucking bird watchers. It happens to everyone and you will enjoy it in a few years. But anyway, well, think about, <laughs> well, think about what I do for a living too, right? Yeah. Like it's the
1: opposite end of that. It's like, dude, my entire, every fucking day that I'm working is not little things. It's really big things that happen bird. Very- quickly you know not all the time obviously i'm not trying to make my job out to be some glorified fucking no but i mean there are a lot of lulls in the action but but there are scary moments for a lot of people you know for sure right so i feel like i don't want to do that shit when i'm playing an (laughs) rpg i want to slow things down i want to focus on the the minutiae because for me it's important
0: yeah uh, so, you know what's funny is before we started recording this, you and I were just talking like catching up on life and stuff like that. And I was talking about how the last thing I want to do at my job is interact with the public. <laughs> and
1: right, you're like, yes. one of those
0: things that just makes my day is just having a conversation with a stranger. And I'm like, that's like the last fucking thing I ever want to do.
1: <laughs> but it's I funny it.
0: because we're talking about our characters and you make these characters who... First thing that you think about when you make these characters is their threads and their connections to the other players or someone else in the world. You're going to connect, make that connection that matters, right? Like that's the string you're going to be plucking to make this character sing, right? For me, I'm making a character who is tied to something about the world, right? He has a question about what is going on here. How does this work? And like, that's what it is. And I love making characters who have, connections with the other players mostly about like hey what shared answer can we find in exploring something team. about the world you know what i mean like so yeah, it's funny yeah. like they're almost like built back like you know opposite but they do the same thing in the middle there will be that not yeah I, I swear people are gonna
1: think i'm you know we're sponsored by ted talk because i keep <laughs> referencing that <them>. but <laughs> they're good. I, just, I do enjoy i like listening to a man so i'm always be learning them, dude. yeah but there there was a ted talk and again the one the it was a clinical psychologist that was talking uh and speaking about people right and he mentioned this theme called your idiosyncratic self mm. and this is something that really really resonated with me and it's completely applicable to role playing game characters just like it is to real people but in some ways you are like every other person in some ways you are like some other people and then in some ways you are like no other person Love right it. that's fucking beautiful man that is the that is the that is the thing that ties all of us together. It's the perfect it's what it's what creates a balance between unity and uniqueness, right
0: like dude, that's actually a really great set of questions or prompts to do. In like a session zero character creation, right? Like, yeah. How are you like everyone
1: else? How are you like some other people? How are you like no one else? How are
0: you? How are you like a big chunk of the population of this world, right? Like, what? Like, is it nationality? Are you part of an organization? Are you part of whatever? How are you like some people? And that could be like the party, right? Like, what shared thing do you have? And then, like, how are you just you? You know what I mean? And that's like your own character arc or something about you individually. Yeah, absolutely. So you just made me think of something else. You were talking about how you watch TED Talks and how they give you ideas about how to approach, maybe not directly, but you listen to these things and they help you realize something about yourself. And then you apply that to RPGs, either the characters you make or how you think about even when you're listening to other members of our crew play or if you're watching someone else or listening to something or reading a book, you're thinking about how those relationships are reflected Mm -hmm. in what you've learned. You know what's funny is I went down a rabbit hole a few years ago, and mm-hmm. I always think about this to myself. If you go to, like, TVTropes.com, there are very stereotypical and tropey kind of when you bring a group of people together that are going to be the subjects of your story. There are things like – depending on the number of people, you get things like the three-man band, right? Right. You have the leader, the lancer, and like, you know, the heart or whatever. And there's the, the four, uh, temperaments, right? There's like, um, choleric, sanguine, melancholy, and phlegmatic, right? But those represent different types of personalities. And if you have those four personalities represented in a group of players, then they play really well off one another, right? And then you have the five man band, which is the protagonist, the lancer, the heart, the big guy, and the brains. Right, Uh And you can do that for... That's Avatar, the last airbender, right? Right. Aang is the hero. Zuko is the lancer. Sokka is the smart guy. Toph is the big guy. And Katara is the heart, right? And what's really great, and another thing, here's just a DM tip for anybody doing this, if you have a party of players, I know one of the biggest rules ever, and players will push back against this, is never split the party. But one of the coolest things you can do is when you have your group of players, right? write them down, write down a list of your four PCs or your five PCs, and then write down every combination of characters you can make out of that party, and then try and Hmm. make sure every PC has a one-on-one scene with every other PC, because how they interact with each other will be different based on the personalities that they have chosen for these characters to embody. Yes,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. It's a great, great uh, bit of advice, Rainey. And you know, it can, depending on how big your party is and how long your campaign is, that can be a whole entire campaign um mm-hmm. goal, right? I mean, if you're running with seven players or six players, it's like, shit, it might take you a long time before you have that opportunity to really have that wholesome one-on-one interaction with everybody. But no, I agree with that. The other thing that I wanted to bring up about tropes that is powerful is not just the existence of the trope being powerful but the divergence from that trope. Yeah. That also that creates such incredible moments when you have the character who is the bruiser who is the fucking smash crush kill destroy and then they're challenged at a core level with that, right? Like that is who they are. But then something shocks them. You know, maybe it's a child or maybe they witness something that is they can't beat with their fists, right? That creates incredibly powerful role playing moments. And and the cool thing is if the trope itself didn't exist, that divergence from the trope wouldn't have that same shock value. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so I'm big on that. I love I love that. It just throws the players for a loop. It throws, you know, the GM for a loop sometimes even. It, yeah. it even throws the story for a loop sometimes, right? The GM throws something at you that's Really important. And he's like, all right, he's going to respond this way. And then you throw him a fucking curveball and go the total
0: opposite direction. And everybody goes, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You can definitely. That's good advice, too. Right. You know, if your character, if you're GMing or even if you're a player If you're playing into a trope or you're playing a character that has clearly set their goals and people are picking up on, okay, this is how this character is always going to be acting. This is what they want to do when their scenes come up. This is what their character arc looks like. Mm -hmm. As a GM, you should give them opportunities to explore that. Let them play to their strengths quite a bit, right? Let them do the things that they want to do, but then also challenge them on the things that they're clearly a bit weaker on or what their blind spots are. And Mm -hmm. I will say, and this is a game I'm actually surprised I haven't run on DMs After Dark, but maybe we can do that in an off week soon. And plenty of people will say this is one of the best Powered by the Apocalypse games, but Masks A New Generation is a teenage superhero RPG. So you are telling a lot of, the game is more about being a teenager and going through Mm -hmm. You know, the relationships you have with other people, the relationship you have to authority and adults, while also balancing the increased responsibility that you're going to have and the powers that you're learning to control. So it's a lot more about the interpersonal connections than it is about being a badass superhero. If you want to do that, go play Mutants and Masterminds, right? But what I love about the playbook design of masks is things like you have the playbook, the bull. You know what that character wants to do. They want to beat the shit out of things. But my favorite thing about the bull is they don't ask you, like, what do you want to destroy? Like, they do. But the more important thing is the bull is always in love with somebody. They have a soft side. It's like an integral part of this character. Right, right. You have to – you can't ignore that part of that character, right? One of – you have two relationships. One of them is your love. You've opened up to them about the worst part of you, and then one of them is your rival. You know what I mean? Like, they tried to control you, or, like, you need to Mm -hmm. beat them up. You know what I mean? Like, you want to best them. Same with, like, the transformed. It's like, who transformed you? Do you forgive them, or do you want revenge? Right? Like, that itself is a character arc. You're just kind of saying, this is the story I want to tell. And even though it's a trope, and even though a lot of transformed are going to have similar arcs, Like we said at the very beginning, only you are going to play your specific transformed story.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah, definitely throw them the curveball, right? Like, don't let them solve a problem the only way they've been doing it. Right. Make them break
1: yeah give them the opportunity to go outside of that right you know give let them break those things if they can it depends on the players you're playing with obviously but i you know we didn't we haven't talked too much we've talked a little bit about tropes but we haven't talked too much on like tropes in the form of genres and stories yeah um and i know you opened with that a little bit and you said you know yeah there's okay think of um curse of Strahd, right in Mm -hmm. in the uh Uh, Dungeons and Dragons 5e world you've got the Romani there's strong connections to the Romani people you know there's definitely some undertones there of like racism some of it arguably done not well some of it was done okay so I think I don't think there's anything wrong in saying okay this this is a trope that is antiquated in the sense that it's just, it didn't age well, right? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with recognizing a trope for that, if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we're not going to play this trope because it's like the racist trope, right? And that's yeah. just not something we want Yeah, or it's just got...
0: There's a history associated with the trope that has really come to light and become something that we can do better about. Yeah,
1: right. Which, the thing is, at the time, right, maybe didn't, didn't exist. Or maybe it did exist, but we just weren't aware of it, right? Mm-hmm. So... You know, those parts of tropes I think are I don't want to say they're no good, but those are the parts for sure that can be like, uh eh, th- these are the dangers of tropes. But
0: Yeah, I actually uh back when we were still doing modified roles with the DMs, we had a list of topics that we were debating, you know, doing series on or doing an episode on, and one of them was world building. And a lot of when you're coming up with ideas for an original homebrew world, or even if you're playing within In an existing setting like the Forgotten Realms, that's got a lot of history to it. And even within that, there might be some problematic, tropey kind of Mm -hmm. factions, organizations, peoples, cultures, whatever. And you might want to change it. And like we were just saying, sometimes you're gonna Mm -hmm. make everybody wants to make that cool nomadic peoples. Maybe do a little bit of research about how it really went down in the real world, real world cultures that would be inspiration for that kind of society or culture and make right, sure that you're right. not just one for wanting it so it's just a direct obvious comparison give them complexity right yeah. Pa- yeah. and like i've been saying for how my characters like interacting with worlds make them more interesting within how your world works give right. them something that they right. interact with that makes them like no other group your uniqueness right. to ubiquitous right right yeah absolutely look how this is all tying together you can take every little thing we've talked about and find a way to make a trope unique and special to you in this and that doesn't just go for characters that goes for cultures in a homebrew world yeah i think
1: overall there's a reason why we tend towards tropes i mean there there's certainly more to role playing than tropes, mm. but they're a big part of it, and there's a reason for that. And it's because they they work. They help the machine go round. They serve as a point for the players to identify with.
0: Yeah, there's a basis for a type of experience that the player wants to explore. And there are tropes yeah. that will help them experience that in a safe way and in a way that they kind of have some narrative control over.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. What else you got for me, Rainy?
0: We started to touch on tropes as genre too, right? Because a lot of what people are going to be listening to this and their headcanon for when we're talking RPGs, there's a lot of fantasy RPGs out there. Right. There's a lot of sci fi RPGs out there, and the sci fi RPGs are going to do a lot of the same tropes as well, right? Like you have your humans who've colonized space, you have your effectively space elves, you have your effectively space orcs, right? Right. And yeah, you could do better, but also there's a lot of value in those, right? If we're talking about other cultures, other societies from other planets, other galaxies, there are so many interesting things you can come up with and be like, this is just how they live. Yes. And you could do noir, right? Like detectives and 1950s. Hey there, kid, you just, you want to play that? That's great. Yeah. Don't put the sexism and racism in there, obviously, right? right. There are things about right. tropes to, <laughs> like we said earlier, you can do better, um, but you can definitely lean into the rainy alleyways and corrupt cops and, you know what I mean? The right. uh, femme fatale or, you know what? Flip that one and just make a real gigolo. <laughs> A good old temple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Christian's blades in the dark character.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I think, um, I think the other thing, and it just goes back to what we said earlier is you got your space orcs, right? You got your space elves, whatever. The key is the thing that's going to make that work. That's going to make it interesting is finding the perfect balance between something that is new and something that is familiar. Right. And that's what these things do. I mean, they reskin stuff. So that you can recognize it, but so that it's also different and unique. All the time. Right? All the time. And it works. It works in marketing. It works in products and stuff like that. It appeals to us as people. So if you want to make a role-playing game that's appealing or has appealing aspects, you're going to do that to a certain extent. And just to, I have to give a shout out to horror. Oh yeah. My blind
0: spot. So definitely give the horror heads out there some. Well, well I mean, just
1: even yeah. Even thinking about the horror genre, it's like, just like how a character that's playing a trope, that juxtaposition to that standard approach is extremely powerful. The same thing is true of a genre, right? You can't just have the next scariest thing over and over and over and over again, right? If you do, that's not actually horror because your players aren't invested in anything. They don't think they have any hope. There's no chance. There's what is the purpose, right? So when you sprinkle in those little bits of hope or those little bits of, you know, love or connection or reprieve, the quiet moments, right? Like those things are what make horror so much more powerful. It's just like the characters. So.
0: Well said, my dude. Yeah. Horror is going to be a big old blind spot for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Rainy, that's not your forte. I would love to run a horror game with you, though. I feel like you running a horror game might be, might be exceptional. I don't know. I'm not sure what that would look like. Yeah, uh,
0: that would be funny. Um, (laughs) It would be funny. Yeah, Yeah, it'd be a funny horror game. (laughs) I'm still too scared to play in an Amber game, so, you know.
1: That's true. That's
0: true. It comes to light. You heard it here first. (laughs) Yeah, and by the time this goes out, I will have not been in her other newest campaign, so... No, we'll convince you rainy we we'll i will you. I will be in one eventually, all right, Troy. I got some questions for you I'm ready I'm all ready. right, so thank you for so much about for talking about these tropes uh for talking about the value that tropes bring because they're not just shallow you know reflections of things we've heard over and over. There's definitely unique and personal value that people can get out of tropes in games so do you have any last bits of wisdom advice or homework for anybody listening to this as far as tropes go? I do
1: I do have a last bit of advice and it's it's based off of what you just said. You can make tropes all of those bad things. Mm. So don't do that as a player. Don't be overbearing or cheap with your tropes. Don't just completely lean into them at the expense of the story and of the other characters in the game. One of my one of the things I fucking hate the most in a game Is when a player will say, oh, well, it's what my character would do, right? Okay, there are parts, there are times when that is appropriate, right? There are also times when that is basically a way for somebody to just excuse an extremely shitty, metagamey, selfish thing that they want to do at the expense of the story rather than in support of the story.
0: So don't be that.
1: if your excuse is is
0: that's what my character would do don't make a character who would do that right no shit or
1: how about your character is challenging the way that they think about things in this particular (laughs) moment this moment to be better yeah no shit so that's my advice (laughs) rainy all right
0: question number two uh penultimate question do you have any games you're excited to play or ideas that you're excited to use in a game well, I did already mention
1: the For the Dungeon uh, that I'm excited to play. might be something we're doing on off weeks. might be something we're doing on our main weeks. I'm not 100% sure. But my idea is, as a real quick just kind of teaser is what the game is, you're playing a bunch of um, like wanna a bad guys, henchmen. I want to be a minion. Minions. Yep, you're playing a bunch of minions for the big bad evil guy, right? So I am reincorporating a big bad evil guy from a game that we played <sighs> previously before we started streaming. Oh, I love it. And, and uh, this is going to be the big bad evil guy that we are all working for. So I'm stoked. For oh, that.
0: yes. And yeah. last question is, is there anything you want to pitch? And where can we find you on the Internet, Troy? Hopefully not in the seediest <laughs> places of the uh, dark web, but I found you for sale, Troy.
1: <laughs> How much? Not enough. <laughs> not enough. Damn it. It's never enough. I guess things coming up, uh, we are wrapping up another year with DMs After Dark, Rainy included in that. Um, as he mentioned, big, big piece of everything that happens and is produced behind the scenes is Rainy. So I'm excited for this next year. I'm excited to get additional content rolling. Um, I'm excited to be a little bit, to a certain extent, going back to our roots and showcasing more games and doing more short form stuff. Because for me personally, that's something that as a player, I really prefer. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just, that's just my personal opinion, but I'm excited for that. Gosh, let's see. I guess I'll, I'll pitch, um, something else that is pretty new that I'm, uh, excited for. Studio Agate, which is the studio that produces Shadows of Esteran and, uh, Fate Forge. They are coming out with a new role playing game called Tainted Grail. And it is based off of the game, which is a very, very popular game. And my understanding of it is it's basically a Shadows of Estrin um, incorporated in a Arthurian-like mm. world. So like King Arthur and his yeah. knights and Merlin and all that stuff. So I'm pretty stoked for that. I think they're going to be maybe putting it on Kickstarter here pretty soon. They're in development stages, so I don't know how long it's going to be. It'll probably have some big stuff coming out with it next year. The studio is really working on it pretty hard right now. So Cool, cool. That's about it, Rainy. That's all I got for you.
0: Well it's never enough troy it's never enough (laughs) no i'm just gonna thank you so much dude for coming and talking to me and nerding out on rpgs just like you know the old days just like the old days dude i'm I'm uh, bringing it back when times were simpler (laughs) awesome thanks for Once again, thank you so much to Troy for being my first guest on this first Perspective Checks episode. You can check him out on our stream or on our podcast with DMs after dark. And hopefully he'll be joining me again here on this podcast feed for a game or something similar in the near future. If you'd like to be on a Perspective Checks episode or suggest something to cover, email me at rainyplaysgamespod at gmail.com.